tonight. So, There's a gentleman by the name of Nims Parja, Nims Parja, and he was on a quest. He was on a quest to climb 14 mountains. All of these mountains are above 8,000 meters, so that's 26,000 feet. That's up there where you need oxygen, where if you're up there too long without oxygen, you will die. And so Nims and his team were not just wanting to climb these mountains, but they were wanting to do it fast. They were wanting to do it in seven months to climb these 14 mountains. Now, the record before that was seven years that these were going to take place. And so Nims and his team, they'd successfully been to the top of, of several of these mountains already. And then they went to the tallest mountain, which of course is Mount Everest. And they made it to the top. And as they were coming back down Mount Everest, Nims turned around and he took a picture. And I don't know if you can quite see it, but that is a line of people from where he's at across the crest of the mountain, all the way up to the peak. He said there was like a two or three day window of good weather to climb the mountain to get to the top. And there was about 400 people and their support teams, which were trying to get to the top of the mountain at the same time. So there was a traffic jam on top of Mount Everest. Now there's some places where you expect to be stuck in traffic, and, and maybe you're okay with that, but other times you don't, ex I wouldn't expect to be in a traffic jam on Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world, and yet there it was. Now, if you were to come to this property, to this facility, uh, sometime in early July and to, to celebrate our country's freedom, and you know there's gonna be fireworks down the hill, and you come up here to watch the fireworks and to eat a hot dog and the other things that we do, for that event. Now, you expect there to be some traffic when you leave this event. You just, you, you pencil that into your schedule. It's gonna take a little while. You're gonna go down the hill. You're gonna have to turn right because they're directing all the, and it's just, and, and you anticipate that. And you're okay with that. But if you're here for church, say, I don't know, six or eight weeks ago, and you come to church. Was anybody here at church about six or eight weeks ago? And there was a lot of traffic just to get to church, and maybe there wasn't even a place to park because there was an event, an apple festival down the hill. And then when, when Pastor Jerry finished preaching and it was time to go, you remember that? It took like an hour for me to get around the parking lot, down the hill. We even had one of our church members, Melissa Williamson. Is she here? She was there directing traffic, making sure we all merged properly to get down. Now that traffic is unexpected. And that traffic can be a little more frustrating when you're stuck in a line like that. And anytime you go to the store at this time of year, you expect there to be a crowd and you expect there to be lines to the cashier. And if you're like me, you, okay, which line do I get in? And you mark where you would have been in, in line B, even though you got in line A. Okay, I would have been behind that lady with the two children. And then you kind of keep tabs. Is that line going faster? Oh, I would have got there. That line would have been better. But you anticipate the line. But sometimes, Maybe you're driving down the interstate and you come upon a traffic jam. And again, you have to make a choice. Middle lane, 
fast lane, and you go back and forth. And if you're like me, whichever lane you're in, the other lane goes faster. It doesn't, and then you jump over here, and this lane starts going faster. I, I've, I've tried to learn that you just stay in the lane, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out for you. But your, your mind wants to get through faster because we do not like to wait. And, and we've been spoiled in our society even more in recent years by something called two-day free shipping. And if we order something and it takes a week to get here, how uncivilized is that? Because we don't like to wait. And sometimes our response is just to say, how long is this going to take? And if you've ever said, how long is this going to take? You may or may not realize it, but you have been echoing the message of the Bible. I want to start in Psalm 13. So if you've got your Bibles, please open them to Psalm 13. It says, a Psalm of David. And in Psalm 13, verse 1, Psalm writes this. He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? This is David, a man after God's own heart, and yet he is uh, crying out, God, how long? I'm praying, and I'm not seeing answers. How long till your promises are fulfilled? And this is just a cry that is echoed throughout the pages of the Old Testament. I want to turn over to the, the little tiny book of Habakkuk. We may have never been to Habakkuk before, but it's a very tiny little book uh, towards the end of the Old Testament. I had it marked so I could find it. Habakkuk chapter 1, he echoes the cry. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 2. He says, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence. God, there's violence happening. How long shall I cry out and you will not hear and you will not save? And that is the cry that is repeated numerous times in the Old Testament. That question that the people of God ask of God. And we can ask ourselves, is that a legitimate question? Well, let's go back to the very beginning. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 1 and 2 tell us the creation story, and in Genesis chapter 3, it, it tells us the story of when Adam and Eve make a choice to, to step away from the direction that God would have them to go, and of course, they eat the fruit that God tells them not to eat. And, and as soon as this disobedience takes place, God immediately gives them a promise. Uh, theologians would call it the proto-evangelium, the very first gospel promise that is found in Scripture, and it's in Genesis 3, verse 15. And this is God talking, and he's talking to the serpent. He says, I will put enmity, I will put strife, I will put warfare between you, serpent, and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. 
So it talks about there's going to be kind of two lines, two sides. There's going to be those who are choosing to follow the serpent, and there's going to be those who are, are choosing to follow God. And then it goes from plural to singular. It's talking about these two lines, and then it says, he, singular, shall bruise your head, singular. So one particular descendant of Eve is going to crush the head of the serpent, and serpent, you're going to bruise his heel. You're going to injure him. But in the process, your head is going to be crushed. Now, I'm not a big fan of snakes, so I really like this promise that the snake's head is going to be crushed. But this is the first gospel promise. This is the first promise of a savior, of a Messiah, of someone who is going to defeat the serpent once and for all. That's right there in Genesis chapter 3, right there in the Garden of Eden. And yet, as you go through the pages of Scripture, as you read through the story of the Bible, you recognize that there are more promises that are given. There's more symbols of salvation that are shared. There's more of these pictures of, of the Messiah that are, are portrayed. And through sacrifices and through rituals, the people of God are pointing forward, are looking forward to the time when these promises are fulfilled. And yet over and over, they cry out, how long? How long do we have to wait? The promises are there, but they're not fulfilled, at least not in the way that they're hoping and anticipating, because we see the children of Israel, they're in slavery in Egypt, they're in bondage. We see them delivered to the promised land, and yet because of disobedience, we see time and time again that the enemies overwhelm them and defeat them until eventually they're exiled to Assyria and Babylon, and they continue to cry out, how long? We've had these promises for thousands of years. How long till they are fulfilled? I want to turn over to Isaiah, because Isaiah has several of these promises, and we can see them begin to be portrayed, and some of them even echoed in our languages and in our songs of the Christmas season. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Isaiah 7 and verse 14. It says, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now in Matthew, it specifically uses this name Emmanuel and this, this verse, this story, what does that word Emmanuel mean? God with us. So there's a promise way back here in the book of Isaiah that God would be with the people of God. And yet they cry out, how long? Just a couple chapters over, Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. It says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And the people of Israel, the people of God, could probably look at that and say, that's us. We're walking in darkness. Over and over, we are uh, oppressed and, and different things are happening to us. And maybe we can even say, well, we, our world is a time of darkness. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. There's a promise there. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death 
Upon them, a light has shined. There's a promise of something different. Verse 6, just a few verses later, it says, For unto us, here's the Christmas verse right here, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called, and here's a list of these names of Jesus, his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. There's a promise right there for the people of God, and yet still they can cry out, how long? Turn over a few more pages to Isaiah chapter 40. We're just looking at these, some of these promises in Isaiah, and there's many more that we could look at. Isaiah 40, verse 1, it says, Comfort, yes, comfort my people. There's a promise of comfort. And then in verse 3, it says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Here's the promise. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God was sending comfort to his people by telling them that the glory of the Lord would be revealed and people would see this glory of God revealed in their life. The promises are there from Genesis to Isaiah, and yet the people cry out, how long? Let's go to, to Malachi, way back, the very end of the, the Old Testament. We saw a promise in Genesis. Now Malachi chapter 3 is where we're going to look. Now the name Malachi is the name of a prophet, and that name, Malachi, means my messenger. I don't know if Malachi's parents named him that, or if he was named that after he became a prophet of God, but his name meant my messenger. Now notice Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, or the messenger of the promise, in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So in Genesis, the promise was there. The serpent's head was going to be crushed. Here in Malachi, the messenger of the promise was still to come. He hadn't come yet. Thousands of years later. So the people had a legitimate cry when they said, how long? I want you to turn over to Malachi chapter 5. Now, if you turn in your Bible and it looks like mine, there's Malachi chapter 3, there's Malachi chapter 4, and then there's a blank page. There is no Malachi chapter 5. There's a blank page, and then it kicks into the New Testament, Matthew. That blank page represents 400 years. 400 years of history take place. 400 years of, of silence if you were someone, from, uh, one of the members of the people of God, 400 years of crying out, how long? 
Now, 400 years is a long time. If you go back 400 years from now, that's when the pilgrims were uh, eating with the Native Americans at the very first Thanksgiving in 1621. That was 400 years ago. 400 years of silence takes place. Well, it's biblical science, silence, excuse me, but historically, if you were to study world history, there were things, there were things happening. And there were people coming to power and coming to fame, which others could look at and say, well, that, that person looks like a Messiah. Because there was a young man from Macedonia who came to power in Macedonia, and then from Macedonia, he's even talked about in Bible prophecy. In Macedonia, he takes over a little nation called Greece, and in the empire of Greece, he begins to take over uh, the world around the Mediterranean. In fact, he goes to the borders of India. If you think of your world map, that's a long ways. This young man from Macedonia named Alexander, we've even given him a little title, Alexander the, the Great. We, we build statues of Alexander the Great, and we remember that he conquered the world, and he died at the age of 33. Now, he was talked about in Bible prophecy in Daniel, and you could look at him and say, man, he, he did a lot of cool things, but that's not the one that the Bible prophecy was talking about. That's not the gospel promise. And then a few years after him, there was uh, another young man who, who rose to power. We got a statue of him. He was also talked about in the Bible. Uh, in the Bible, he's referred to as Caesar Augustus. Uh, he was the grandnephew of Julius Caesar of the Roman Empire. He became the adopted son of Julius Caesar. He's also known as Octavian in history. And he took a title upon himself called D.V. Phileas. I'm probably saying that wrong. D.V. Phileas, which means son of the divine or son of God. And Caesar Augustus, he was involved in creating lots of uh, construction projects, buildings which still remain to this day, uh, roads that the Roman Empire built and bridges which still exist to this day. And that's why they could say all roads lead to Rome because they really did in that time. And he was the one who issued a decree that all the world should be taxed. And that caused a little couple to make their way from Nazareth to, to Bethlehem. They couldn't find a room in the inn because everybody had had to go back to the town where they were from. So he's talked about in the Bible, and he even calls himself the Son of God, but that's not the one that the gospel promise is about. So kings and emperors and armies rule and reign, but the promises of hope and the prophecies are still unfulfilled, and people still cry out, how long? Let's turn over to Galatians. Let's go to the New Testament now. So Galatians, Ephesians, Galatians chapter 4. Paul is writing. So this is, this is written after Bethlehem, after all of this. And in Galatians chapter 4, notice what Paul writes in verse 4. It says, but when the fullness of the time had come, or the NIV said, when the set time had fully come, 
When the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. When the fullness of the time had come, for thousands of years, the people of God had said, how long? But when the right time came, the right thing happened. You see, when Caesar Augustus, Octavian, was ruling, there was something in the Roman Empire called the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. And so word could spread rapidly because it was the right time with language because everybody spoke the same language. It was the right time in society because there was ease of transportation. There was not war zones you had to travel through. Uh, it was the right time prophetically because the prophecies of Daniel had pointed down to this time. Jesus came. He was born at the perfect time, when the fullness of the time had come, when the set time had fully come. And now we're on this side. And so when we read those cries, how long? We, we know how long it was. And, and we know the story of a baby born in Bethlehem. And we know angels singing glory and excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest. But for the people of God, for thousands of years, the story was about waiting. And now the birth of Jesus has come and gone. I hope that you'll come tonight and, and be reminded of that or tomorrow. Jesus grew up. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for my sins and for your sins. We can sing the hallelujah chorus. Praise the Lord. That's all happened. Salvation is, has been won, and yet here we are. We're, we're waiting again. And maybe our cry is the same. How long? Maybe as these last two years that have gone by have seemed to have drug out and caused pain and heartache in so many ways, and maybe our cry of how long is even louder and, and harsher than it has been before. But this time of year, this time of year is, is kind of about waiting. This is something I brought from home. It's got 25 little numbers on this little snowman box. And um, my wife and I kind of debate, I guess that's a good word, of how this particular advent calendar is supposed to work. Are you supposed to put the numbers out one by one? Are you supposed to take the numbers away one by one? Do you turn the number? We, we have discussions about how this particular advent calendar works. And so generally it just stays all of the numbers. Maybe you've got some advent calendars at home. Anybody have an advent calendar? Maybe one where you open the door, there's some little chocolate inside. Um, maybe you've got one like this. I got a picture on the screen. I, let's see. Anybody have a Lego advent calendar? Would that not be the coolest advent calendar to, to ever have each day? You get to open up a, a new little Lego toy to open. But the purpose of these advent calendars is you count down. You count down to Christmas. There's, there's 25 doors. There's 25 slots. And each day there's a little bit of excitement, but you're building up to the, the big event, Christmas Day when you get to open presents and have all the family there and have a great time and you, you count down. And then after Christmas, of course, well, we'll be counting down again. 
a week, and then we start counting down hours, you know, to January 31 at midnight, and then we even start counting down seconds, you know, five, four, three, two, and, and you know, lights happen, fireworks go off, maybe you kiss somebody next to you, and it's, it's exciting because you count down to 2022, and then what? Well, there's something else you're going to be counting down to, maybe your birthday, maybe graduation for young people. There's always something else that we're looking forward to. There's always something else that we're waiting for. You know, for the last couple months, we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount begins with the Beatitudes. Pastor Jerry's taken us through the Beatitudes. Blessed are, happy are. Matthew 5, blessed are those who, who mourn. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are those who are poor in spirit. Happy are those who are persecuted. Now that's not talking about being happy in that exact moment. You're not happy while you're being persecuted, but that moment reminds you of something else, that there's something more to come. You're waiting for something. You're anticipating and we recognize that waiting is a part of life. And I think that God allows, and I think that God even welcomes our questions of how long. And we don't always understand the timing, but the promises of God remain. Because as we wait, we wait with expectation. As we wait, we wait with anticipation. And we open the little door of the advent calendar and we get the piece of chocolate or we build the Lego and that's a little bit of momentary excitement as we're looking forward to the big thing. And in our world today, what are we counting down for? What are we waiting for? We're waiting for God to, to work miracles in our life and to change us. We're waiting for uh, the second advent. We're waiting for God to do incredible things in this world. And yet as we wait, there is uncertainty because you, you're never certain about something until it happens. And maybe as you look back over this year, there's been uncertainty in your life. Maybe there's been times when you have opened up your Bible because you've always been told that's what you're supposed to do, and you've put in time, and you've read verses, and nothing's there. Nothing's clicking. And maybe there's been times when you've sat in this room, and the praise band has sung a song, and maybe it's been your favorite song, but you're just not feeling anything. And maybe there's been days when you got down on your knees and you folded your hands and you closed your eyes, but boom, it seems like your prayer hits the ceiling and bounces back because there's some uncertainty. But that's not all the time. And, and, but maybe, maybe over this past year, there's been days where you've uh, opened up the Bible and maybe it's been something you've read before, or maybe it's something brand new, and it clicks. And you get goosebumps because you, you are reminded of what God has done for you. And you're reminded that Jesus loves you enough to come and be born as a baby and to die for your sins. And maybe you sat in this room or some other room like it and, and the music has played. And maybe it's not even been your favorite song. 
but suddenly there's like tears coming from your eyes because you're reminded of the grace that God has for a sinner like you. And maybe there's been a day where maybe you've been on your knees, but maybe you've just been hustling and bustling through the day and you throw up a prayer and suddenly you hear the still small voice through the busyness of your day and you, you sense and recognize the peace of God making a difference in your life. And, and as we're waiting, as we're crying out how long, we recognize that God is here with us. I want to go back to uh, Psalm chapter 13, thir the 13th Psalm where we started. Psalm 13, this little Psalm of David, this man after God's own heart who cries out, how long, God, when are you going to hear? How long, God, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? That's how Psalm 13 starts. But then if we go down to Psalm 13, verse 5, David says, but, there's a shift here. He says, God, how long? When are you going to hear me? But, something changes. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. God, I don't understand the timing right now. I don't understand why it seems like you don't hear me. But God, I'm going to trust in your mercy. God, my heart is going to rejoice in your salvation. God, I'm going to sing to you because you have dealt bountifully with me in the past. I have seen you at work in my life. I have seen you at work in the lives of my loved ones. And maybe I don't see it right now, but God, I'm going to keep trusting. God, I may cry out how long because of the pain, because of things that are happening, but I am going to keep trusting. This season teaches us how to wait, how to wait with anticipation, how to wait and recognize each day there's some blessing that God wants to give us as we wait for the immense blessing of him coming at some point, I think, in the very near future. And as we wait through the silence, we can wait in the hope that God has. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Are you ready to wait on God, to trust in him, to remember the promises that he has given you? If so, just raise your hand with me. Say, God, I trust in you even as I'm waiting for you. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, the world waited thousands and thousands of years, but at the right time, you came as a baby. And Lord, we still wait. And we still wait with, with excitement, because we know that you're coming soon. But we also wait with, with sadness and with, with fear and with discouragement because we recognize the things happening in, in our life. Lord, help us to trust in you each and every day and all that we do, to remember how you have been a part of our life and remember your promises for the future. In your name we pray, amen.